Well, here we are again, Brothers Grimm, 80s edition, season three. How are we feeling, boys? I'm feeling good. Yeah, man. I'm, ex- I'm excited for this season. It's It's been fun so far. We've had a couple good episodes, especially the uh, the Montauk project. That was fun. You know, I've I've sadly realized how much about the eighties I don't I don't really know. Well, that's because you were born at the end of the eighties. That's true, but like I've had plenty of time to explore the decade, and I just kind of haven't at all. It's the, it's a great decade. I mean, it was a great decade for movies, music, and and surprisingly enough. I y'all know I like to make playlists of everything and like lists of everything. I haven't even made a uh, an '80s playlist for music yet. Like I just started making it two days ago. That's disappointing. It is disappointing. I know. I started off with Journey though. Of course, I also have to. <laughs> I also added Kate Bush's song "Running Up the Hill." I, I really like that song. From uh, it's become popular now from Stranger Things season four. But, uh, you know, it's actually a really good song. There's a lot of deep cuts from the 80s that I just really uh, want to explore. Yeah, and I think that song is actually trending right now. It's hot. Yeah. It's trending on a lot of streaming platforms. It's like number one. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, Stranger Things had the most, uh, the most streams that Netflix has ever had, the most hours streamed that Netflix has ever had, season four. It's that's impressive. Crazy. It's because yeah. it was beautifully done. Beautiful. Well, when I heard about the 80s, being our theme for this year, I knew that it would be challenging finding uh, a topic around my favorite topic that, that we explore, and that's paranormal happenings. You know, the Montauk Project was a good, uh, was a good, you know, sci-fi, you know, but I like to lean, lean towards the ghosts and, and, you know, lean into the spiritual, the, the, the demonic. I like to read those stories. I don't like the demonic, but I like to read those stories. And uh, I came across one that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. Have either of y'all ever seen the movie A Haunting in Connecticut? No, I haven't. No, I haven't seen it. Well, if for those of you who have seen it, I I have seen it and I did not realize that it is based on a true story. Really? Yes. I'm guessing that's what this episode's about. That's what this episode's about. That's right. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear about it. The grim story behind The Haunting in Connecticut. Uh, I will say this. I want to ask this question. If you discovered that your house used to be something else, like before it was your home, and maybe it was something else, what would be the creepiest thing that you could imagine it would be? I don't know. I, I almost think uh, it being built on like ancient burial grounds or something like that would probably be the worst. Yeah, like poltergeist. Yeah. Probably something along the lines of like a decrepit mental institution maybe that housed some criminally insane maybe some wayward techniques were used I don't know well keep that in the back of your mind as we explore this story together and just be thinking about what would be the creepiest thing if you found out your house used to be this what would it be I don't know that I want to (laughs) I've done the history on my own house and I know that it was nothing more than a, a house built in the 90s so good for that In 1986, Alan and Carmen Snedeker, along with their daughter and three young sons, rented an old house in Southington, Connecticut. It didn't take long before the strange occurrences depicted in the movie began. While exploring their new home, Carmen came across strange items in the basement, tools used by morticians. Throughout the house, they found pictures of dead people, along with several toe tags and a head tag. To their horror, 
the Snedekers soon discovered their home had once been a funeral parlor, and the eldest son, Philip, began seeing ghosts and having terrifying visions. Philip and his younger brother, Bradley, slept in the basement, the only room big enough to accommodate two teenagers. According to Carmen, the two brothers slept in the casket display room down the hall from the former embalming room. But the activity didn't stop with Philip. The experiences spread to other family members and got worse. Both parents said they were raped and sodomized by demons. And Philip, being most affected by the spirits, attacked his cousin, Tammy. An ambulance took him to a mental hospital where he remained for 45 days. It seems graphic. Yes. So their house used to be a funeral parlor. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. I, you know, I, I would have never thought that maybe my house would be a funeral parlor, and that's not the first thing I would have. I would have said, like, ancient burial ground. Right. Um, I wouldn't have gone with mental hospital because that's a little weird for your house to be that. But Could have been on the same ground. But on the same ground, yeah, for sure. But, like, a, a, like this place used to be a, a funeral parlor, and they just, like, retrofitted the rooms to, to look like a house. I wonder how you actually legally can – I mean, I guess maybe this was way back in the day, but typically you can't just – turn a business back into a residential building. Apparently the embalming room was sealed off from the basement. Like in the basement, but sealed off. That's gross. And so they like discovered the room itself. And uh, I think in the movie, there's a, a scene where it's depicted that like one of the, one of the brothers is like put onto the, the table that they lay on and gets spun around and stuff. And uh, apparently that was an actual occurrence that happened. One day, as Carmen mopped the kitchen floor, the water suddenly turned blood red and smelled of decaying flesh. In her words, I mean a deep, deep red. It made my skin crawl. I started getting nervous that I was ruining the floor. Dishes would put themselves away. Carmen recalls the incident. I thought I was losing my mind. I know I set the table, but the dishes weren't there. One of the ghostly apparitions that haunted the family was a thin man with high cheekbones and long black hair, and another man with white hair wearing a pinstripe tuxedo. Eventually, the Snedekers called our favorite demonologists and paranormal experts, Ed and Lorraine Warren. After their investigation, they proclaimed the Snedeker house to be infested with demons. Now y'all know I'm a, I'm a big Ed and Lorraine Warren fan. I, I like reading their case files. I have another one that I'm probably going to do this season that has to do with them. They're like the leading. I mean, they, they are responsible for all this, the Amityville horror, all of those. Most of their stories and cases, like people actively try to debunk. I just find it fascinating. They're very popular on the show. Yes. I mean, their cases inspired an entire universe of movies, starting with The Conjuring. And uh, it's just cool to to hear that they're involved with this case and that doesn't surprise me that people try to debunk uh you know experts in the field yeah i mean i mean it's hard to it's hard to really like discount somebody's experience right because you don't want to assume that what they're saying isn't real but at the same time i mean what do y'all think do you believe that that this kind of thing happened i don't know it's uh it's a very delicate subject. There are a lot of people out there that believe this sort of stuff happens all the time. There's other people that believe that this is fake. Um, but I guess when you get Ed and Lorraine Warren in it, there's got to be some fact behind it. 
for whatever reason, I have an easier time believing demonic possession as opposed to demonic oppression, which is what this feels more like. Um, and I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because it's dealing with the flesh and blood as opposed to what somebody may imagine happened or, or something that they conjured up in their mind that maybe didn't really happen. But I mean, I've been laying in bed and I could have sworn that I heard footsteps running in the hallway, but in reality, it's just a squirrel on the roof or it's, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's things like that. It's easier to believe something with your eyes when you can see it affecting the physical, the flesh and blood, than I think it is something that is difficult to explain when it comes to inanimate objects, hmm. things that don't naturally move. For me, I think that uh, the spiritual world is something that, I mean, we'll just never fully understand until we get there. Uh, I do find it easier to to you know believe in the demonic side of things because maybe because of the spiritual background that that we all have um you know if i believe in angels i have to believe in demons too ghosts is a little harder to uh to wrap my brain around because i have to assume to believe in ghosts you have to assume that either the the spirit your spirit doesn't want to leave that spirit doesn't want to leave earth or something is keeping it here or whatever it might be right so, you know, I've never truly experienced any, anything supernatural, you know, from a ghost standpoint, but I will say I, I, the more I, I live in my house, the more I feel like every, every day that I, cause I work from home. So every day that I'm home and I'm sitting on my couch, my, my bedroom is right above my couch, uh, or the living room. So my bedroom is right above the living room. So I always hear creaking that I hear as if. Tori was walking from the bathroom to the bedroom or vice versa, but nobody else is home. I always hear, but it's the same creaks that I hear when I know Tori's walking around upstairs. And, and then I, I hear the same thing on the stairs, a creak as if somebody's coming down or about to come down. So I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, no, nothing's ever, I've never had a vision or anything like that. Uh, I've never seen a shadow person, but I, you know, I, I'm starting to become more aware of the cons- the consistencies that you know a creek is a little bit more random i feel it doesn't happen the same time it happens the same time every day at the same time and that just seems a little too consistent to be just a happen chance creek of the house yeah it sounds like it's more than just like a house settling mm-hmm. and you know moving with the change of temperatures and climate and that sort of thing well this story is even more interesting because it's probably one of the stronger cases for debunking Ed and Lorraine Warren. While the Snedekers have told their story many times, including on national talk shows and in a Discovery Channel TV show, some have a hard time believing the ghost stories. Their landlady, for instance, found the whole thing ridiculous and claims the house was never used as a funeral parlor. She also noted that the Snedeker family stayed in the house for more than two years before finally deciding to leave. Now, (laughs) I, I... if if you were sodomized by a demon, I feel like I would you would leave. I feel like you would leave pretty quickly. Yeah, I wouldn't be there. Absolutely. I mean, it would be a, a a big hullabaloo to like have to sell your house and move. Or I guess they were renting, so that that makes it a little easier. You could just up and leave. But like, they were there. They were there in Southington because 
Philip had uh, cancer, so he was getting cancer treatment. So like I, maybe that's the reason they stayed. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that's just sticking it out, just to stick it out. Yeah, and uh, I'd have been out of there in a heartbeat. Yeah, like what's the worst that can happen? We've already we've already been you know inappropriately taken advantage of by a demon. It can't get any worse than that, right? Well, here's the thing. Daryl Kern, the former owner of the Southington home, confirmed that prior to purchasing the property, it served as the Hallahan funeral home for multiple decades. So right there off the bat, the landlady says it never was a funeral parlor. The previous owner did say it was a, a funeral parlor. So all of a sudden, we're getting a lot of, a lot of mixed thoughts about the truth here. Now, why would the landlady say it was never a funeral parlor, right? I mean, if they're renting, you know, they don't want to turn away potential renters. Yeah, that's true. I don't know, maybe they never... I was going to say maybe it was never disclosed because it was never asked, but if they asked her and she said that it wasn't, maybe that's... Maybe she just was literally unaware. What's What's interesting is uh, there are reports that say the Snedekers did know it was a funeral home before they even moved in, that it was disclosed. So it wasn't like they just happened happened upon the embalming room and all of a sudden they realized, like, there are reports that they did know about it beforehand. So there's a lot of inconsistencies with this story already. And it just gets a little more, you know, a little worse. So how do we get to such a visceral horror film? The Snedeker story first came to light in horror novelist Gray Garden's 1992 book, In a Dark Place, The Story of a True Haunting. In an interview in Horror Bound magazine, Garton discussed how the true story, quote-unquote, behind the haunting in Connecticut came about. Garton was hired by Ed and Lorraine Warren to work with the Snedekers and write the true story of their house from hell. Basically, he was brought in to uh, take notes about the whole case and uh, put it together into a book. He interviewed all the family members about their experiences and soon realized that there was a problem. He says... I found that the accounts of the individual Snedekers didn't quite mesh. They couldn't keep their stories straight. I went to Ed with this problem. He says, oh, they're crazy. You've got some, some of the story. Just use what works and make the rest up. Just make it up and make it scary. Garton did as he was told. I used what I could, made up the rest, and tried to make it as scary as I could. So that leads us to wonder how much of the haunting in Connecticut is actually true. Yeah, he basically just discredited his whole story. Yeah. Right there. I mean, he discredited it, but there's also still some truth to a lot of what the the Snedekers were saying. Like it was a funeral parlor, according to the previous owner. There a lot of what happened was documented. Uh, a lot of it was Garton did use some of it, so not all of the happenings were, you know, disproved. He didn't specifically say which ones that I could find in the research were not true. Some of them were probably embellished upon. Like, for instance, one of the occurrences was um, a shower curtain that was, you know, tried to suffocate uh, the niece or the, the cousin, Tammy, uh, when actually it was the mom in the in the actual, you know, report. So, I mean, there are some changes. And spoiler alert, they the oldest son, Philip, who was the most afflicted by the spirits, he ends up burning the house down. Well, the house didn't actually burn down. Uh, so, that, you know, it's still standing. But there haven't been any other occurrences, right? There haven't been any other hauntings. Nobody else has reported anything. 
So what's even more interesting is the Snedeker family was aware of the Amityville case that happened, you know, just less than a decade before. So maybe it was their opportunity for fame. I mean, they're still getting asked about it today, you know. Yeah. And was this mostly happening to the children or to the parents? Apparently well? happened to the whole family. All of them? The only one that doesn't really get much of an account is the daughter. Okay. Because I was going to say that, that like, kids have really big imaginations, mm-hmm. and that could play into some of the, you know, some of that hype. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the most surprising part is what what is going on with Philip, right? That's the big question that we have to ask because he was the one that was that seemed to be most afflicted. He attacked his cousin. He was also suffering from cancer and cancer treatments. Like, did all of that just kind of you know lead into him kind of having a mental breakdown? Why would the mom and dad have you know? Why would the mom and dad play into this? especially with their son being as sick as he was. At one point, the dad goes around to the entire house and turns off all the, takes all the light bulbs out of the house. I, I don't really know why. It's just a very, it's a very strange and odd and very, and very eerie story to hear. You got to leave the light bulbs plugged in because that's how you communicate to the underworld. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. the upside down, absolutely. Yeah, you got to touch the light somehow. I mean, sometimes you, you, you have a family that suffers from mass hysteria, you know, when when it starts happening to one or two, the others start believing and seeing stuff, and it you know becomes a a domino snowball type you know situation where maybe it's not happening to the degree, or maybe it's not happening at all, but you know the delusion is growing. Well, for what it's worth, I have seen the movie. It's not great. <laughs> it's not my favorite uh, horror film that's ever come out. It's okay. I mean, it's got some some good jumps, and the story is not terrible but uh the overall movie is just it's only okay so if you're gonna go watch it just enjoy it but just know that it's not great and when was it made i think it was made in 2006 2005 okay so it's not like an old old yeah not super old but old enough to during the really cheesy time for (laughs) for horror films yeah, it came out the same time that like The Haunting did, and like I think like Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah, yeah. And like right around that time, where it was kind of just like a, a smorgasbord of paranormal. And I think Paranormal Activity had just maybe just come out. Yeah, no, for sure. And there was a follow-up movie to it, Haunting in uh, Haunting in Connecticut too. <laughs> uh, it's also not good. It's got Chad Michael Murray in it from One Tree Hill for those OTH fans. They swung for the fence there. <laughs> yeah, that one was worse than the first one, and uh, I got really bad. So now I think I'm, I'm pretty curious. I think I want to go get the book, In a Dark Place, The Story of a True Haunting. Uh, I, I feel like I've discovered more books that I want to add to my library, which Tori will be very unhappy about, but it's fine. Now, I do have a question. Like, how does the book compare to the case file? Well, I think the book was meant to kind of coincide with the case file. So the case file is pretty straightforward. It takes all the accounts uh, from the interviews and like, and basically lands with what Ed and Lorraine felt was an infestation of a demon. And that was kind of, I mean, they exercised the house apparently, quote unquote. How much longer did the, uh, the family stay there? They stayed there for two years. 
so after yeah after. The, the haunting started pretty immediately as uh, when they came in to the house and they stayed for two years so they were there for i think way too long and i think that really discounts their story a bit i think a good lesson that can be drawn from this is if you feel like your house is involved with death in any sort of way it may be a good idea just to not live there especially if you find out that it was a funeral parlor exactly yeah and and don't maybe don't stay in the basement of a house you know basements are creepy as it is this episode was written by joey thompson with discussion from jeremy thompson and brian mcintyre and was recorded at starscream studio grayson over at starscream is an incredible producer and engineer so be sure to visit starscreamstudio.com for all your tracking and recording needs Additional audio support by Will Compton and original music composed by Nick McClure. Be sure to subscribe, and when you do, drop a line in the comments and say hi. We want to hear your grim stories, too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.